I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Tampa Bay Rays will try to avoid elimination and force a game seven tonight against the Dodgers in the World Series. Blake Snell will be on the mound. and He's going to get a text message waiting for him from Pitchico's Kyle Snyder. We'll tell you what that's all about. And Kevin Cash should read John Romano's column to his team before game six. And I'm serious. you got to check this out in TampaBay.com. We'll talk about it seriously. Also, how good is Tom Brady? Well, 15 touchdowns and one interception good in the last four games. Maybe playing better than any quarterback in the NFL right now. And his team might be as good as anyone as well. We've got all that and more in this on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, you know who's got the best party platters for your catering in Tampa Bay? Well, that's easy. It's Mr. Empanada. Now, what the heck is an empanada? Here's what you do. You take your favorite foods and place them inside a pocket of homemade dough that is cooked perfectly until it's golden brown and piping hot. Their empanadas are a fresh twist on some old favorites. Now, you can order delicious menu items made from scratch, including soups, salads, and Cuban sandwiches online at MrEmpanada.com or call any one of their seven convenient locations in Tampa Bay. Where Latin food, quality, and service meet, uh, that's Mr. Empanada. All right, Steve, uh, this could be it, an elimination game. Um, The Rays have been here before several times, of course, in this um, long postseason that they have played. The most games, I didn't realize this, except there was the extra two-game series to enter the postseason with the Toronto Blue Jays, but they've already played more games than any team, I guess, uh, in baseball history. During yeah, they've the played twenty of them so far. So yeah, it's incredible. Um, but they got they got at least one more, and hopefully two. Game six uh, tonight, and it will be uh, Blake Snell on the mound. I guess you would say that he is their ace. He is their Cy, Cy Young Award winner, no doubt about that. He pitched really, really well in the last game into the fifth inning. Um, with no hit stuff, I mean, it was you know he didn't. I don't think he got out of the fifth, but he came close. Yeah, it went um, four and two thirds. But yeah, the first yeah. four innings, he had eight strikeouts and Dominant. was perfect. I think, yeah. or Dominant. may have given up a walk. It was no hit. Right, he was really really good. He rose to the to the moment, and you know, there's a story um, today in the uh, Tampa Bay Times, you know, TampaBay.com by Mark Topkin, the best baseball writers in the country, and it was interesting. I, I mean, I think most people are familiar, sort of, with you know. Kyle Snyder's history uh, with Blake Snell goes back a ways. Um, they were together in the minor leagues, obviously, and, and um, I can remember stories Mark has written about how Kyle went out to uh, to the Washington area, Seattle, Washington area, and met with Snell, and, and Snell told him, you know, it was, they had a talk about, what do you want to be? And he said, I want to be the best left-hander ever ever pitched. I want to be the best left-hander in baseball. And that's sort of what his mindset was. Now, Blake, you know, when you it rhymes with flake, right? I mean, <laughs> when you talk to him, um, he's a video gamer. He's you know he's very loose. Uh, he says some things that are inappropriate. <laughs> he came up with some names for some prospects that we can't repeat on a family podcast. Um, but he's talented as all get out. I mean, this guy's already won a Cy Young, and his stuff is just he almost in my mind. I almost wish he had less stuff that he like had two really good pitches instead of four. 
because they're all just really good and and sometimes you get stuck on you know two three and four as opposed to just the good well located fastball and attacking hitters um but this is a big this is a big game and I, and you know and what mark revealed in this uh, story is sort of the relationship that uh, he has with Kyle Snyder um this mentor to uh you know to pitch a relationship and the text messages that that Snyder will send him before the game and how he reads sort of Blake's moods when he gets to the clubhouse and how he's acting and even the bullpens he said he had like before this last outing, he said he probably one of the worst bullpens I've ever seen, so he can't go by that. But he, he was focused, and you can tell when he's laser-focused, and he was prior to game uh, his last his last game he pitched. And, you know, the and so Mark asked him kind of like, you know, well, what, you know, share with me sort of what you think you will say. And he goes, well, it'll probably be similar to before the last game, which what he told them, and I think all players should realize this, is that – um this could be it for your career. You may never be in a World Series again. You know, mm-hmm. don't, don't ever think for a second. I mean, there have been, you know, what was 107 years in Chicago before any team went to the World Series or between World Series. So, you know, for an athlete to reach the pinnacle, whether it's a Super Bowl, World Series, NBA Final, um, A, you really need to win it <laughs> because – um, you don't want to get to the game, and then you know before you know it, as as Rich McKay used to tell me, you know you see those Sports Illustrated commercials where they're giving away the hats and T-shirts. Hey, you can dress just like the Los Angeles Dodgers after they won the World Series. Order your hat and T-shirts now. You'll see that for six months. And then secondly, there's just there's just really hard to get there. I mean, really hard. And this is only the second time the Rays have been there, but it, the last time was '08. And so, you know, for these guys in their careers. Um, you know, maybe they'll go to another franchise. You know, Snell probably pitch for the Yankees or the Red Sox or somebody. Uh, so he'll probably be in one again, but not not with this bunch and not not for this team. And it's special. And um, so I think, you know, I guess he, he had something similar to that. Like, don't waste it. You know what I mean? Like, step up to the moment and, and really attack it, you know, fearlessly because you have nothing to lose. You may not be back here again, and wouldn't you want – you don't want any regrets. You know, you want to go out there and say, hey, you know, I didn't nibble. I didn't, I, I attacked hitters. I came after people. You know, they beat me, they beat me. But that mindset has to be there. And I think with all the players, it has to be there, really. Um, the Rays have nothing, absolutely nothing to lose. This this was has been the case, I think, at least since the World Series began. I wouldn't say that necessarily during the playoffs because they had the best record in the American League. This was not one of those Cinderella stories. I think... I think people miss it. You know, everybody wants to play the David and Goliath angle. Um, but it's not really true with this team because they were Goliath in the American League. They were 40 and 20. Um, so, you know, this didn't happen by accident. They beat the Yankees and the Astros, for God's sakes. You know, uh, and they beat them and beat them in long series. Well, yeah, not only did they beat the Yankees, but in the regular season, they went 8 and 2 against them. I mean, right. Dominated. It wasn't a fluke. No, no. And you can say, well, the Yankees had a bunch of injuries. Well, not in the playoffs they didn't. They had Giancarlo Stanton hitting home runs everywhere. They had Aaron Judge. They had everybody. The Rays right? had just as much injuries this year as the Yankees did, if not Absolutely. more. Absolutely, if not more, right. And so what they have done is legit, period. And in their minds, they're every bit um, expecting to, to, to beat the Dodgers and win the World Series as, as anybody I don't think the rest of the of the baseball world or the sports world necessarily necessarily sees this. They play up 
the payroll and all that stuff. And it's true. Um, you know, the Dodgers have the best team that money can assemble. Um, there's no doubt that Andrew Friedman has, you know, both kind of stuck to his philosophies in a sense and gotten the very best players at every position he could find. Some of them that can play multiple positions, but look, um, if they can get it to a game seven, I will say this. I give them a better than average chance to win a game seven against the Dodgers with Charlie freaking Morton on the mound because we know the game seven Charlie Morton is a wipeout Charlie Morton. And momentum, you know, would, the pressure would be the pressure would be so enormous on the Dodgers in a game seven that you wonder how they would respond. You really do. Um and that, that's what would make Saturday's game so impressive, right? Like, how will that be remembered if the Rays lose the World Series? You know, we kind of talked about that last night. Um, but look, I, I, think they, I think they have a really good chance because they're not facing Clayton Kershaw and they're not facing uh, Bueller. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. they, they have a good chance because I don't think the bullpen is, is by far not the strength of the Dodgers. And if they're going to have sort of a bullpen day – this is the game they should win. Yeah, I mean, that bullpen is the weakest part of their team. And For sure. they're facing Gonsolin, who they beat already. Uh-huh. Or the, the game he started, they, they've won. Yep, knocked him uh, out early, yeah. You know, we talked about this last night. And, you know, you know you're going against, you know, Kershaw and Bueller four times in the series. you got to beat them once. Mm-hmm. And then you got to win the other games. And so you've got to win game six, and then you get that shot to beat Bueller in game seven. Yeah. No, I, I think it sets up well for them. And, and look – you got Charlie Morton coming back on full rest. Um, Charlie didn't pitch all that well in his last outing, but like I said, Game 7 Charlie Morton for what it would mean to him and his career. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows if he plays next I'm year. It could, be, it could be his last game. Right. I mean, you know, right. He may choose not to come back next year. And you'd like, you'd like to give him that opportunity to pitch a last game. The, hopefully his last game wasn't his last game. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm fairly confident that, uh, you know, that the Rays are, are, are going to be in this in this uh, till till the late innings anyway, and, and of course their formula is, and what they really need is a lead because if they can have a lead in the sixth inning or the seventh inning for sure, even if it's one run, that's their game. That's the way they play. They're comfortable mm-hmm. being in tight games. They they do better in one run games than any team in baseball. That's sort of where they live. And other teams, you know, pressure as John Gruden used to say, can burst a pipe. And I think we saw that on Saturday night. I think we saw the pressure that was being placed on the Dodgers, and it burst. Um, and the comeback, one of the greatest games you know ever played with Brett Phillips and all that. But you know, they've just got to find a way to win a game. And you know, and that's the, the beauty of, of baseball. And it's always momentum is, is your next day starter. This will be Blake Snell's biggest career moment, right? Mm-hmm. A chance to stave off elimination in a World Series after having pitched almost unhittable stuff in his last outing. If he can do that again and maybe even get a little deeper, maybe get into the sixth inning um, and they get some runs because those shutdown innings allows the Rays, you know, to get their offense going, maybe put some pressure, um, you know, on the Dodgers and get some guys on. So it's, it's just, it's all there. It's still, you know, we, we figured this would go at least six and it'd probably go seven if the, if the Rays were going to win it. And that that's where they're at. So, you know, no harm in being three two. You just you like to see them you like to see Snell pitch well, you'd like to see them be competitive and um, you know, stay in this game and the longer they stay in it, I think the Dodgers will start to have some doubt 
and some pressure will mount on them. Yeah, I think there's a few things. I think you want to see Blake go a little deeper. Mm-hmm. Particularly, uh, look, Nick Anderson has not been himself the last couple of weeks. He has not. He has not. And, and I saw Mark Topkin on with uh, Brian Kenny on MLB Now this afternoon. Yeah. And they were talking a little about that. And he said, look, in the regular season, Nick Anderson gave up, what, one hit to a right-hander? He's given yeah. up five in this postseason already. Right. Um, and some home runs, too, yeah. I think. But the one difference between the regular season and now, and maybe he's a little dinged up, too, or you know, it could be something else, but – the one difference is he's going multiple innings now, which he yeah. didn't do in the regular season very much, if at all. Right, right. And so, right. you know, I, I think you want to try to keep Nick to just one inning, um, if you can. So then you're he's the also rest- he's also going in the middle of games at times. In other words, wherever Kevin Cash feels mm-hmm. it's the biggest leverage inning, he's not waiting for the twenty seventh right. out with Nick Anderson. Well, the the other thing too, and. and Look, the Rays' bullpen had been so great with inherited runners. They weren't letting any of them score. They have now. Mm-hmm. Is You'd like to see the starters get through full innings. And so those relievers can come in with a clean clean base pass instead of mm-hmm. you know having you know runners at first and second and nobody out or one out and, and coming and trying to get out of a jam. You know, you'd like to see them start more often with a clean sheet, essentially. And, you know, it gives them a little more wiggle room, too, where, you know, you, you make one bad pitch and – you know, you get a, a bloop to the to center field and it doesn't score a run. Right. You know, that I, I think that and, and you know, I'm qu- I'm curious. I would assume if they need Charlie Morton's available tonight. It'd be on oh, three yeah. days rest. But, and, and, you know, he is your starter for tomorrow. But you have to win. But, I mean, you no, know, yeah, yeah there's no tomorrow home. if you don't win tonight. So, right. You're going home. Yeah. So it's all it's 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 Johnny Holstaff. I mean, you you got to get to a game seven to play yep. to to win a World Series. But the Rays' A bullpen did not play, did not pitch on Sunday essentially because they were losing, and they had the off day Monday. So the A bullpen should be rested. You know, absolutely. Castillo, Fairbanks, mm-hmm. uh, Aaron Loop, who's kind of going back and forth between A. He kind of pitches both. Uh, he did pitch Sunday, but uh, Anderson yeah. didn't pitch Sunday. So you know, if you can get a lead. Into Diego the Castillo. sixth inning. Yeah, you can get a lead in the sixth inning. I like the, the race chances a lot. The record's there. I mean, the numbers are there. They don't lie. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very hard to beat after the sixth inning if they have a lead. That is their formula, even if it's one run. Um, they put an awful lot of pressure on you as hitters. So that's that's the way to do it. Um, you know, I I I I feel I feel like they should they should be pretty loose and confident. And again. Do they have something to lose? Yeah, they have the World Series to lose. I mean, this has you know been a one of the hardest seasons ever, and and I would credit either team for for finding a way to win this. I mean, they have given up their lives. Um, you know, guys have had to uh, you know change every routine they have. And baseball players and athletes in general are creatures of habit. And you know, something as simple as you can't have tobacco, you can't spit, you can't do certain things that you know are. You go on the road. You can't eat out. You can't eat together. Like it, it's been a hard, it's been a hard existence for some of these guys, and you know, for them to play as long as they have, and and um, you know, this has been. I think it's been a great series. I think they've given the Dodgers everything they can handle. You know, Saturday night's game will go down in in history as one of the most bizarre finishes in World Series history for sure. So yeah, they got hopefully uh, two more games and. And again, a lot is banking on Blake Snell because I really do believe that the pitcher sets the tone. You know, if you can throw up some zeros, give your offense a chance to get going, um, put some pressure on their bullpen or whoever the hell they put out there, 
um, I think I think you get a, you get a really good shot at it. So the, Ra- the, things- the Rays will be the road team for these two games now. It'd be yeah, nice, it'd be nice to put a, a run across in the top of the first though before the Dodgers even bat. And that's what the Dodgers have done. Mm-hmm. They they had two games where Turner hit a home run in the first inning with two outs. Yep. And all of a sudden you're down one nothing, and that's that's pressure. Like I said, you have to apply some pressure, and they they don't do it with a lot of base runners. They don't get a lot of guys on. They strike out a lot. So you got to find a way to do it and um, do it early, because um, when they score first, uh, the record is is very very good. Um, one of the things I mentioned in the open, um, you guys got to check out this column by John Romano, who's who's done an unbelievable job during this baseball season. Of course, John loves baseball uh, as I do, um, and he's uh, just really had a remarkable run with the Rays here in the postseason, writing these columns. What he wrote today, I'm telling you, if I were Kevin Cash, I would read it to my team just as it's written. Um, not that John knows you know, that ball club better than Kevin Cash, and I'm sure Kevin has plenty of his own thoughts. Um, thank you very much. But I think it, I think it kind of captures the way all those guys feel about each other. And, and that's, that's sort of the message is that um, you know, his whole thing was they need somebody to stand up and, and sort of say the following, which is, you know, they're more, as we just talked, than, you know, uh, they're not a collection of stars. They, they, they play without ego. I'll just read you what Romano wrote a couple of things um, that stuck to me is that they play without ego, without jealousy during the postseason. They've started four different first basemen, three third basemen, three right fielders, and three left fielders. They've had six cleanup hitters and six leadoff hitters. And as far as anyone can tell, zero complaints. And this is not normal. It's not. You will you know, outside of Little League, he's right. Um, 20th postseason game, as we just mentioned, um, you know, they're, they're not built like the Yankees. Um, they, they don't wipe people off the map. They win games, and they win close games because that's what they have to do. They're not going to run away from teams for the most part. 28th largest pay, payroll, and, you know, every guy on that team has, has contributed something. Even even if they're in a slump, even if it's Austin Meadows who hit the home run to set up, you know, Brasso's dramatics, uh, Willie Adamas with his glove um, and, and his enthusiasm, um, you know, the Brett Phillipses and the Ryan Thompsons uh, that came out of nowhere and John Curtis's. I mean, there's so many, you know, pieces to this thing. And the fact is, is that, and this is true about every team, every year in every sport, you know, None of them, it's not going to be the same next year. I mean, the Rays turn over their roster and they have to do it for survival for a reason. They try to get better. But for this team, like, this could be the last time they're together. Um, They'll go down in history as one of the, you know, because because they made it to the World Series and made it into six games. Um, But what they've done has, has has been unbelievable. And, you know... As John says, he goes, you know, they before they step on the field game six, they should think about that. This is quite possibly the last time this particular group of players will be together. It's a somber thought. But one day, uh, it will also be recalled with great wonder and joy because what a team did the past 29 days was usually delightful, often inspirational, and always remarkable. And somebody should remind them of that. And I'm sure Kevin Cash will in his own in his own way probably. Um, but just a great column by John Romano. And, and this is a special group of guys. Me and you were talking before when we were talking about this column. And, you know, for all the analytics and sabermetrics and all the things that the Rays are about, right, the best thing they do is identify players with a trait and identify 
the right kind of guys, right? That that love baseball, that maybe they've been overlooked for one reason or another. Maybe they didn't get a full shake with some organization. Maybe maybe they're specialized in some some manner. Uh, they have one redeeming quality, um, whatever it is. The Rays identify that, and then they bring guys together. Um, and the guys they bring together, the common thing they have is they love the game. They love baseball, and they're good baseball players, first and foremost. And I think that gets lost with the Rays because if you've played this game since Little League, all you know is is that you're a baseball player. You know what I mean? Like other people will define you, well, he doesn't do this. This is all you hear when you're growing up, by the way, is, well, he doesn't run that fast. Or, well, you know, he doesn't have the best arm. Or, well, he doesn't hit with power. Like you hear that from Little League on. I mean, it's really incredible what people label you as. But all you know from the time you put on a uniform is eight, at 8 years old or 10 years old is that you love playing baseball. You love the game. And you play it hard and you play it the right way and you and you play it well. Because nobody is in the major leagues because somebody just liked them. They're there because they're great players, they're the best players in the world. So, you know, f- for those guys who stand there and face Garrett Cole or whomever, you know, everybody else says, oh, what a mismatch. Oh, look at the Rays, the puny little Rays, as Bill, my friend Bill Plasky wrote. But to them, it's just baseball. Like, they're not thinking, hey, I bat, you know, 345 against left-handers with runners in scoring position. Like, to them, it's just see ball, hit ball, balls hit, catch ball, throw ball, strike out batter. You know, it's just the game they've played since they were 8, 9, 10 years old. And it's unfair in a way to the players on this team that they get sort of cheapened in a way um, that they're less than the guys they're playing against. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe they don't have the, the, the numbers and maybe they don't get paid the money. But they're every bit the great baseball players uh, as the guys across the way. In fact, like I said, they they won 40 damn games out of 60. So they're a good baseball team, and there's a lot of good baseball players. And they're not going to get caught up in, you know, the definitions that everybody else gives them. But I think it's I think it's just one of those raised things. I think when you play here, you know, you, you sort of get this sort of like a system label almost. Like he's a, you know, you used to hear the word system quarterback or system – that's what they think of these Rays players, and it's not true. They're really good baseball players, you know. So, well, and, and you know, the other thing this organization has done extremely well is finding guys in other players or people's organizations that have a lot of talent, mm-hmm. but just haven't figured it all out yet. Mm-hmm. And they'll bring mm-hmm. them in and they'll tweak one thing, yeah. or have them do something just a little different, and. More often than not, it works and makes them a much better player. And and, and but part of it is, and, and to the players' credit, they buy in, they right. take the coaching, they they execute it. I mean, you know, the, the one thing you know, and Romano's column talked about this too is, you know, so much of the national narrative is, you know, this is all about the front office and the algorithms. But yeah, you can have all the algorithms you want. If the players don't perform, it doesn't work. No matter no matter how good your your algorithms or analytics are. And and, right. and it's a big part of the organization, but it, you know, it does take the players to buy in and to execute and to do it consistently, which they've done for many years now, as we've seen this group grow. And and you know, look, a lot of these players on this team are going to get paid in the future. They're all young right now, and they're in you know entry level deals or arbitration where they're not at free agency yet. But right, you know, and then that's what 
that's what will happen is, you know, it's what the Lightning's kind of going through now mm-hmm. is, you know, they've had their stars like Stamkos and Hedman and, and that, but there's a lot of young players coming up. Well, those young players now need to start getting paid because they're really good, like Mikhail Sergachev and Anthony Sorelli and Eric Chernak, who are all restricted free agents. And so that's why you've got to make moves is, you know, they're going to start those young players eventually get out of their entry-level deals and get to the point where they can hit free agency and, and they're going to get paid. Well, the Rays are going to have the same thing happen. I mean, you know, you forget also how young this team is overall, um, particularly in, you know, experience in the major leagues is most of them are in their second, third year. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, Kier Myers, what he came up at the end of 13, game 162 or three, whatever it was, it, it didn't, you know, then – He's the the elder the eldest Ray. I mean, Charlie Morton's obviously up there in age, but everybody else they're all young. And, you know, yeah. you kind of forget that too in this in this whole experience of the postseason. Yeah, and and a lot of them will will make a lot of money in baseball, and maybe not from the Rays. And that's happened here many many times. That's part of the organization's appeal. You know, um, they develop players. They develop guys. They don't just. And they do. They, they they find guys that may have been cast aside because they didn't do something well, and then they tweak it, and all of a sudden they're effective in the roles that they need them to play. So um, it it goes hand in hand. But 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 for the player themselves, um, they're just. I think I think people lose track of just how good these guys are. Mm-hmm. And you're right. A lot of these guys will make a lot of money in the game. They just haven't made it yet. They're just starting their careers. They're young ball players. I mean, I think Austin Meadows has a bright bright future. Um, he's still a young ball player, you know. And you can go around the lineup. And nope. I think Willie Adamas is going to be a sh- an mm-hmm. all-star shortstop for years to come. Mm-hmm. Oh, Randy Arozarena, yeah. of course, he's a rookie oh. this year. But, man. Um, Joey Wendell's really good. Yeah. Uh, Brendan yeah. Lyle's got the contract. I mean, they kind of signed him before But it wasn't the $100 playing, million. But, dollars. No, you know, they were no. smart. They were proactive. Right. But Brendan Lyle could hit mm-hmm. 40 home runs in a 162-game season. That dude could hit 40 a year, mm-hmm. you know. I mean that's how good he is. So yeah, there's some really good players, man. Really good players on this team. Rosarina, I, I still can't believe Rosarina. I mean he, I don't, I don't know what I'm watching. Like you keep waiting and you go, well you can't do it again, and then he does. Well, that's <laughs> the, like, that's the thing with as young as he is, and granted he's a little. I mean he's 25, so he's a little older for a rookie. Um, but yeah. But but in experience wise, you just keep going. Okay, bubble's got to burst here. It, it right. you know, and, and it's he just keeps coming through. And and you know, like we even talked about Saturday, you know, on the the play at the plate when he stumbled off third. You know, one of the key things to that play, and and he said this after the game was well, he knew the game was at least tied. Yeah. So you know, it, as he was going back to third, it was you know try to get into a rundown, but he kept his eye on the ball. He kept his eye on the ball. On and he the didn't catcher, just yeah. retreat to third; he kept his eye on it, and that's what allowed him to score. Right. And you know, right. th- that's heads up. That's a smart move for a rookie in that situation of Game Four of the World Series. Well, he's got instincts, and mm-hmm. that's the first thing you look for. There are some players that I won't necessarily name that have none. <laughs> uh, take your pick, um, but you know, uh, he he does have those instincts, and and I'm just wondering. You know, here's what's so weird about it is that typically, even when, and I don't care whether it's the the postseason, the World Series, or what, when you're that hot, okay, as a player, when you've seen the ball that well, when you're hitting balls out of the park like he has been at a torrid pace, when they can't get you out because you're getting three and four hits a game, there will come a time when you'll try to do too much. It's inexplicable. It's also human nature. You'll get up there and you'll go, you know what? 
I'm going to try to drive this ball 400 feet. And then all of a sudden, the magic is gone because you've overswung Mm -hmm. or you've chased a bad pitch or you've been a little too anxious. Those hot streaks end for a reason, right? Because when you're in them, you're not thinking. Then you start thinking, I'm really hot here. Oops, I'm no longer hot. That's just baseball. That's what the baseball gods do to you. They giveth and they taketh away. This guy doesn't have any guilt. (laughs) I mean, he just goes up there, man. He's just hacking. Like, hey, dude, you're not supposed to be. Oh, you're going to do more of that. Okay. You know, and and it's just sort of who he is. But um, it's been really something to watch. I mean, geez. What a player. What a find. What a steal they got. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Speaking of uh, great teams, um, I spent a good part of my day started in Las Vegas, darling, not the Sands. Have you finally left Las Vegas now? Yeah, me and Nicolas Cage, we had to leave Las Vegas I took the shopping cart full of vodka. No, I didn't do that. Um, Did you sleep on the roof on the mattress? No. no. This isn't really Caesar's Palace, is it? I mean, he didn't live here, did he? You know, it's weird, like, because, I mean, you see all these, you know, I've been to Vegas, what, four or five times maybe? Not that much. And, um, but, you know, you see, like, how many movies, right, have been about Las Vegas? Mm -hmm. I mean, going way back, the Frank Sinatra movies, but. And then the history, you know, the Rat Pack and the Sands and all that, which I'm just really into. I, I just, I, I just, I just love that. But um, those beautiful hotels and casinos are sort of empty. It's a little sad. It's, the things are starting to come back, but it's not. Um, it's not quite what what it would be like. Normally, this would have been a hell of a weekend. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, can you imagine I mean, how many Bucks fans would have been out there for that too? Well, you know, I I saw a few on the plane. In right. fact, one of them that uh, listens to the show, to the podcast, and they uh, had tickets to go, thinking that there would you know be fans. And of course, they're not inviting fans in Las Vegas, um, but they went anyway, and they just kind of hung out. And you know, there's lots of places around the stadium where Raider fans do gather to watch the games. They can't go in the stadium when they do go in. I assure you they're going to love, love this ballpark. It is spectacular um, in every way. So they've done a really nice job, and it's just right outside the Strip. I mean, it's – you know, I walked outside, by the way. I don't know. Have you spent any time in Nevada, like much time out there? I used to go to Vegas every year. Did you? Um, so I haven't, you been, I haven't familiar, been in a few years, but – You probably are familiar with this phenomenon because apparently, <laughs> apparently it happens. So I walk out. And when I went in, it was probably in the 80s. You know, it's probably like 82 mm-hmm. or whatever. When I came out, what they called the north wind was blowing through the desert. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you that this wind was blowing about 60 miles an hour, you're going to go, oh, come on. I'm not kidding you. I could literally stand in place and try to walk without moving. That's how hard it was blowing. And I'm a 210-pound man. I mean, you know. It was incredible. I have never seen wind like this, and it was cold. 
and it was just relentless and it was like what the hell is this but um it was blowing through the desert and the temperature dropped really fast um but yeah it was you know it, it was neat being there by the same token um i i, I don't you know I'm curious about how Las Vegas and the Raiders will do. Like, I think they're going to be a wildly popular team, you know, internally, like from the Vegas people. But, like, how are teams going to go in there, really? You know, like, are they, when everything gets back to normal, whatever normal will become one day, it's kind of like the Golden Knights. They didn't lose a game at home, I don't think, the first year they played there. They lost a couple late, but what they didn't lose is anybody who had an off day. That traveled in there the day before they were playing. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the night before, the players don't quite party up as much although maybe they did some but yeah the yeah. ones who had an off day so you flew in on thursday Friday, night after your thursday, game yeah, party yeah. thursday night because you didn't play till saturday those teams all lost the yeah, first year yeah if you had and an I off day why. or two in vegas it was it was pretty much a guaranteed loss yeah no doubt and the thing about football you're only there for you know right football you don't you don't get that extra they no, never go in do. that far in advance you know? No, but you you do typically get about three hours um, mm-hmm. if you go into a city, and usually it's for like going out to dinner with family or friends, stuff like that. But guys, if they're in Las Vegas, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I'm telling you, if they get those three hours on the strip, look out! It don't take it don't take much time there. <laughs> no, and you lose track of time because they don't have any windows in casinos. Did you know this? Mm-hmm. That's so you don't Very know what time well aware it is. Of it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you don't know. You also can't it see can... the exits in most of the time. I mean, you know, no. once you get in there, they don't want you to know where the exit is. You don't know how you came in mm-hmm. or how to go back out. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. I never thought of that. Like the way they the way they sort of decorate it's sort of a maze almost of mm-hmm. of, of slot machines. Yeah. They don't want you to see. They don't want you to go, "Oh, there's the exit. Let's leave." Yeah, you're like the rat trying to find the cheese to get out of there. Mm-hmm. It's really something. It's done on purpose. Believe me, yeah. they know exactly what they're doing out there. Yeah. There's a reason no. those those casinos and hotels are as big as they are and designed the way they are. They know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. It's also weird, too. Like, the, I can't... When I go to Las Vegas, I can never get used to all the slot machines and things at the airport. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, I got one more chip here. I'm going to play. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, you... Hey. You didn't get the Susan B. Anthony awesome. or whatever they called it at the end of Ocean's Eleven? No. No, I didn't. <laughs> Although I do count to myself when I pull the slot machine and go, you know, let's count. It'd be a 10 count and then a 5 count and then a 7 count and then an 8 count. I don't know what that means, actually, but it sounded good. No yeah. I, I saw a story today. There was a guy in Michigan who accidentally bought two lottery tickets with the same numbers on them. Uh-huh. One, two million dollars, million each for one. They bought, Accident, he accidentally bought, bought He accidentally, I think he does the numbers himself and put it in twice. So he bought two tickets with up. the same set of numbers and those were the winning numbers. Well, just in case the first one he lost the first ticket, he got them both. Well, it was, yeah, it was an accident, but it ended up, the that money, was the yeah. winning number. See, that would never happen to me or you. No, would no, it? absolutely not. No, not in a million years. I would win the lottery, and then I'd go to get the ticket, and it would be the proverbial, oh, it's in the laundry type thing, and all the numbers have faded. That's that's sort of my luck. Um, I was So I was going to talk about this football team and this quarterback in particular. Uh, and He's pretty good, isn't he? Let me tell you. Stupid good. He hasn't been sacked in two games, by the way. That helps. That helps. Yeah. <laughs> when you sit back there and let Tom Brady pat it, um, that's pretty good. But but yeah, he's he's doing things. What's what's unique about this Tom Brady experience right now is that he's doing things that Tom Brady doesn't do. <laughs> and what I mean by that is 
you know, we mentioned like the first the first three games, right? He had three touchdowns and three interceptions, including a pick six. We remember how the game in New Orleans went. Very, very average below, right? Just like, meh, not that good. In the last five games, he's had 15 touchdowns and just one interception. And he's only done that over a five-game stretch in his career just two other times in his whole career has he gone 15 touchdowns and one or none interceptions. In 2007 and going back to 2010, oh, by the way, both years, he won the league's most viable player. <laughs> so um, that's that's the level he's playing at. He's playing at his highest standard. Think about that. You know, not just the highest standard for the league. If you're wondering about the Bucks, have they had a quarterback do it? They did one time. Really? Guess who it was? Yeah. Brad Johnson, 2002. Huh. Yeah. 15 touchdowns, one interception during a stretch. And I remember it well because it was John Gruden's first year. And Brad was a really, really good quarterback. And he was very efficient. He protected the football, which is his winning formula, Any anybody's winning formula. But he got off to a really good start. And um, Gruden here was here, of course. And <laughs> I just happened to. I remember this because I happened to write a story about his touchdown-interception ratio. It was something ridiculous at the time because he had gone through this period with 15 touchdowns and one pick. And so I mentioned it in a press conference, and John looked at me and goes, I read your column. I like your stuff. <laughs> I'm not sure he ever said that again or, or since because he probably didn't read my column, and he definitely didn't like my stuff. But um, when things are going really well, there was no one better to cover um, than John Gruden and and uh, yeah he really had Brad Johnson um, you know his greatest his greatest uh, stretch in his career I would imagine that's a lot of touchdowns and a lot and very few interceptions so to think about turning the corner the way the way Brady has because the the first two games of course three TDs three interceptions remember the pick sixes all of that um, it's been really something to watch and it's clear to me that this sort of collaboration has reached its it started to reach its peak now because they're he's so comfortable doing what he's doing and it looks more like to me it lo- it looks like the the Patriots offense with a downfield component with sort of like it looked when when you were trying to attack with Randy Moss or somebody that could get down the field but there's no question that um you know when he can stand back there and pat the ball and the play action, the success they've had on play action because they run the ball so well, mm-hmm. has really um, enabled him to go down the field more. I think that's um, been the biggest surprise. Or the, me too. The, what's, I mean, we all thought Tom Brady would get off to a slower than normal start. Because sure. New team, new teammates, new timing, no offseason. No you know, training you, camp, you, yeah, no preseason. You know, yeah, you name all of that. I mean, we all thought you know that, that Saints loss was like a scheduled loss. And in a way, you could consider the first, if you looked at it this mm-hmm. way, and I know nobody will, but if you said to yourself, you know what, he'd have played about three preseason games. He wouldn't have played in the fourth one. So if you look at the first three games and you go, well, he had three touchdowns, three interceptions, yeah, that's called preseason. That's called getting acclimated, getting hit again, um, you know, getting used to your teammates and the speed of, of how they run routes and all that. That's what you do in the preseason. Now, I know they counted. But since then, since he would have started the regular season, he just took off like a meteor. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and you know, you didn't expect to have Leonard Fournette on the roster. Nope. You didn't expect to have McCoy on the roster. Nope. And you definitely didn't expect Ronald Jones to run the way he's been running. Mm-mm. Not me. Hands and up so, in the air on that one. Huh? Yeah. And so 
you know, kudos to Ronald Jones for getting a lot better and whether it was the pressure of I got McCoy and Fournette here or it's just year three and he's figuring it out or, you know, or whatever it is, kudos to him. But that running game really helped. I mean, because Tom is very good in play action, has been his whole career. Exceptional, yeah. And, you know, and seeing how he's throwing that deep ball off that play action now. Uh, I mean, that, that throw to Scotty Miller the other day. You won't see a better throw this year, Mm-mm. by the way. I mean, you just won't. You know, Russell Wilson's probably the best deep ball thrower in the NFL. Right. Um, or, right. you know, Aaron Rodgers, too. But, I mean, that's right up the. That's exactly what they do. I mean, you know, throw it up and it drops right in your arms. That's next level, man. It's, yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah, it was it was it was a thing of a beauty, and then you know he hit four different receivers. The pass to Godwin when he kind of rolls out, mm-hmm. and and you can see Godwin kind of working the back of the end zone, but he's not open yet, and he just holds it, holds it, holds it. Okay, there you go, boom, and then drills it. The guy can play; he can spin it. I'm telling you, he hasn't. Like, and, and Max, you know Max Kellerman, right? With uh, Stephen A. Yes, you can't be serious, Max Kellerman. Yeah, that cliff that Tom Brady fell off of. Yeah, that's right. Now he says it's a ravine. Um, but he uh, finally admitted that he was wuh, 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 raw, wuh. what, what, raw. He knows that wuh. word. I didn't know he knew yeah. that word. Yeah, he he did he did admit it finally. He said, "No, he's you know I I was wuh, wuh. um, but he was wrong." And 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 you know it was interesting watching the national shows because I had some time in Las Vegas this morning um, before I left Las Vegas. They everybody almost to a person is sort of like, especially with with the contrast of what's going on in New England. I mean, Cam was terrible. He got benched. Yeah. Um, nine completions, three interceptions. He was god awful, god awful. And they've lost three in a row now, and they hadn't lost three in a row since since Brady was a rookie, I think. But you know, it's such a contrast, and it's like, hey, Brady out Belichick to Belichick. You know what do you mean? Well, because Belichick's a guy that always got rid of Lawyer Malloy or, you know, all his stars, Logan Mankins, like all these guys, a year or two early, right? Better to let go, let him go a year or two early and get value than, than to wait too long. Guess what Brady did? He recognized, I got two or three really good years left, and I'm getting out of here while I still can. Mm-hmm. On and my so, terms, and pick where I well, want to go. And While well, I can still play, and I can pick where I want to go, and he found a situation that, you know, had everything. I mean, they they were hurt a little bit, and, he, and I can explain the Chicago loss, but by and large, you know, had the talent he wanted. And then, and then it wasn't enough to inherit Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and O.J. Howard and, you know, Ronald Jones and all that. He goes, hey, I want Gronky. I want Gronky to come out of retirement. Gronky's like, here, here we go. I'll go retire. So he does. And then it's like, hey, what? Letter Fournette's available. Let's get him. And so they do. Now we're on. We're, we're at Antonio Brown, right? What can Brown do for you? As UPS says, and what what Tom wants, Tom gets. And you know he's absolutely changed the culture of this franchise. I mean, I don't, I don't, and I, I credit Bruce Arians for this too. I don't think it's all Brady. I mean, Bruce is the coach, and Brady's just a player, just a player. Um, but remember the game in Chicago where they looked awful and they had 11 penalties for over 100 yards and it cost them the game, essentially, mm-hmm. even though they had a chance to run out the clock at the end and they didn't. When Brady got all over Ryan Jensen, all over his offensive line that night, it looked bad, right? It was on national TV. He was just, I would imagine, dog-cussing him, for lack of a better term. Ever since then, 
right? They've had four penalties. They had zero two weeks ago and only and only four the other day, and one of those was on offense, just one. And it was mostly because Tom pulled his own guy off. But, I mean, that's not an accident to me. Mm. That 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 is cause and effect. That is Brady... As as Colin Coward said on his show today, he's a big Brady guy, big Bucks guy. He goes, Brady walks in and he changes the temperature of the room, and that's that's the influence he has. And that's, you know, after that screaming match, after his dissatisfaction with penalties and things like that, and they knew that they let one get away. Guess what? The penalties are gone. Like they're gone. <laughs> like I've never seen anything like it. So that's I think that's the Brady effect. I think that's what it is. Well, I, it's, I think it's the playing. Brady. It's the, you know Arians backing him up too. And look, yeah. you're going to commit those penalties. You're not going to play here. I don't care who you are. I mean, right. it, I mean it, he's got to start with the coach. Yeah, obviously. it takes a whole, well. I don't know if it starts with the coach, but but he can take know, him out of the game. But when you have the goat there saying that, and then the coach is backing him up. Yeah. And and does anyone not believe Bruce wouldn't bench anybody on that team for that? No, he has before. Mm-hmm. Well, Ronald Jones is coming out of the game. In fact, I thought maybe Ronald Jones got benched for bobbling a screen pass, but it turns out they planned on. Using um, Leonard Leonard Fournette, by the way, is now their third down back, announced by Bruce Arians. And so Lashawn McCoy, I don't know what your job is, but but he didn't get to play at all. Mm-hmm. And Fournette had the biggest, you know, third and thirteen conversion of the game when it was twenty four twenty, and um, bailed them out with it. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's just a really good football team. And people now say they may be the most complete team in the NFC. That top to bottom, offense, defense, all that. Um, you know, they're getting an awful lot of run, and deservedly so. I would like to pump the brakes a little bit and remind people that this is still the Buccaneers. Um, you can resume your scheduled programming now. But, um, you know, 5-2 and two doesn't doesn't happen around here very often. And a chance to go to New York or New Jersey, MetLife Stadium, and play the New York Giants, who aren't very good. You're 6-2, and two, and you, can't, you have to play them one at a time. You can't look ahead. But if you were going to look ahead... You look ahead to that Monday night game coming up against the Saints. How big will that be? That will probably be for the division. It should be. Um, I mean, barring yeah. other craziness or whatever else, absolutely. Right. Particularly if the Bucks lose that game because the Saints will now have one swept the season series. So that's correct. You know, that's going to be very important for the Buccaneers to win that game. By the way, of one of the, you know they've lost two games, and we documented mm-hmm. the opener at New Orleans, which they just weren't very good. The one they lost to Chicago was unforgivable, 2019, because they had to lead with 248 or whatever, and mm-hmm. they played awful. The Bears are terrible on offense. I, like, I, I don't think there's a more lopsided team in the NFL. Their defense, very good, or better than average. I think tonight they gave offense, up their first touchdown pass. It was over 10 yards. Yeah. But did you hear I mean, what Brian Greasy relayed that Nick Foles told him this week? No. Uh, so Greasy's on the coverage, and he says – you know, Nick Foles has told him that there are times where the play call comes in from Nagy and he already knows the play isn't going to work because he's not going to have enough time to throw it. <laughs> That's not good. Like, I mean, you know, how what, how confident are you as a quarterback when you're in the huddle going, <laughs> here's the play, but it, I know it ain't going to work. That's right. Because there's no way right. I'm getting a five-step or seven-step drop in right. based on the way we play. I mean, that's got to be deflating as a quarterback. If What do you – I mean – what is that all about? You know? It's, Good Lord. I mean, you know, it's basically saying Nagy isn't calling the right plays. That, you know, watch the game and see what's working. And, and uh, you know, 
But when your quarterback's telling people that, that's not good. Well, they scored 10 points, and, and seven of them was an interception return against the Rams. And the Rams look good. The Rams are the other one of the most balanced teams in the NFC. Well, the Rams, the Rams look good. But I believe almost all their wins is against the NFC East and the Bears. You could be right. You're getting the Bears. I mean, they haven't played any of the teams from the NFC West yet, I don't believe. I don't, I, I don't think they've played the Seahawks yet, and I don't think they've played – Maybe they played one game out of the six, and that, I mean, and that's the toughest division of football, most most likely. Yeah, you know, the, with the Seahawks, the Cardinals, and the Niners there. It's a good so one. I, I, they look good, but I don't know if we know how good they are yet. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. I mean, the great thing is, is that the Bucks play the Rams, uh, you know, for them at home at Raymond James. So they've got sort of these testers, you know, coming up. Of course, the biggest one will be New Orleans in two weeks. When they play the Saints at home. Yeah. Let's see. The Rams beat the Cowboys. They beat the Eagles. They lost to the Bills. They beat the Giants. They beat the Reds. Yeah, they beat the NFC East. And, and that's not a hard schedule, yeah. to say the least. Uh, they lost to the Niners, and then, they, uh, of course, they beat the Bears. So, that, yeah, they've only played one division game. That's the Niners, which they lost. So I'm going to make a bold prediction here. I, I, this has nothing to do with nothing, except I'll bet you they go back to, to Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, you scored three points. Yeah, you might have to. You scored three. And nothing against Nick. You know what Nick's good at? Coming off the bench. <laughs> That's what he's good at. Not starting. He just, I don't know. I don't know. Like, they got some they got some pieces, man. Allen Robinson's good. I mean, they got some guys. They got some dudes. But to score three points in a game? That's not good, man. They got to do something. But that team... That's one of those teams that could start out. They started out what five and zero. This is one of those teams that started out five and zero, and you look up and they're like, you know, eight and eight. Mm-hmm. You know, and you go, what happened? Although I do got to say, while well, we just looking at this now, the NFC West, their their schedule plays the NFC East, which is awful. Yeah, and the AFC East, which has teams like the Jets in it. There's a lot of winnable games for those NFC West teams. Oh yeah, the Jets absolutely. Miami, yeah, Miami's in there. Um, yeah. the Bills are good. Patriots aren't that good. I mean, talk about having an easy schedule when you got a, when you're playing the NFC East and the AFC East this year. Yeah, that's the luck of the draw. That, right there. That's going to help make the NFC West look like the best division of football. And I think it is, but those records are going to be a little inflated. And they make they may cannibalize each other by the time it's all over too. Well, yeah, they still got to play each other the times, but. Right, but when you've got you know four games against the NFC East and then another three against the Jets, Dolphins, and Patriots, yeah, that's seven. That's seven very winnable games for all those teams in the NFC West. And yeah. I think the Bills are good. That's a, that's one you could lose, which the Rams did. But yeah, well, even with the extended playoffs, I mean, the fact that the Bears beat the Bucks could come into play one day. The fact that the the Bucks uh, beat the Packers could play in terms of like seeding and things like that. So, something to watch, but um, but yeah, man, Chicago. Wow, Chicago. You look up in. Yeah, I just I don't buy. I'm not buying them. Their defense is good. I'm not buying them. You know who's really good is uh, the Rams punter uh, Heckert. Uh, well, if you watch Monday Night Football tonight, that's all they could talk about. I thought well, Pat McAfee incredible. was on the broadcast. I, well, I know you can't get excited <laughs> about punting. I mean, it's not like the right thing to do. But if you could, I think he pinned four inside the ten. Yeah, no, he is. Like, he is good. Stupid. He's really good. 
Of course, he's been to the Pro Bowl many times too, but you'll get to see the Rams at Raymond James before long. All right, well, that should do it for us. Um, and uh, hey, What are your Badgers going to do, by the way? Oh, my God. They, I mean, this is the thing. So Big Ten football, Saturday. It was, they actually played Friday night. They were the first Big Ten to get game against Illinois, against mm-hmm. Lovey. Very Lovey Smith. Uh, very disapp- uh, disappointed. I go back to discouraged. Discouraged. So they they play Lovey Smith, and they debut um, – they're now, I think, Graham Mertz, freshmen. Yeah. Yeah, Graham, Graham Mertz. Mertz. So Graham Mertz was like a huge recruit like for them, right? Wisconsin doesn't typically get like four-star quarterbacks, okay? But they got this one, and he goes out there, and he rips it. Like he's 19 to 20 or something like that, something stupid. Four or five touchdowns, just rips it. And it's like, oh, my God. Like Me and my wife are sitting here going, is this the second coming of Russell Wilson? What is What is going on here? And... So you're excited because that's sort of been what Wisconsin has been lacking. I mean, they're a good program, great program. Mm-hmm. They always have a good offensive line. They find a running back that's going to rush for 2,000 yards, like Jonathan Taylor so or somebody it, every – Yeah, they need the quarterback this year because they don't have that running back this they year. They don't have them. It's so bizarre because there's always a Melvin Gordon or somebody back there, and they don't have them. Um, but this kid was really good. So now him and the backup quarterback have COVID? Apparently. Does, I mean, the, so Graham Mertz is unavailable – and they won't confirm it, but sources are telling the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel that. According to my sources. And Chase Wolf, their backup. Apparently, he's got COVID as well. Oh, great. So then you're That's... down to, what, Donnie Vandenboom, I think, is their, their third stringer? <laughs> Wait. Is that true name? You yeah, that one, right? yeah, hold on. Let me look you it up. a second I... shot at that? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm close to it. Hold on. Let me, let me find that article <laughs> wow. again. I don't mean to make fun of people's names. I mean, what is Stroud, right? Like, say it loud, say it proud. But hold on, let me look it up here because I, I, I was actually like, oh, I got to say that in the podcast because it was. <laughs> so, Vendom Jimmy Boomba, my lawyer. Who is it? He used to say that. Call my lawyer, Jimmy Boomba. Let's see here. Hold on, let me see. I'm reading the article. Who are? Uh, oh, it's worth the it's wait. Boom. Vanden Boom is the last name. What's his first Vanden name? Vanden Boom. Wow. Two words: Vanden and then Boom. Vanden and Boom, like Boom's his last name? Yeah, no, Vanden Boom's his last name. Oh, okay. But it's two words. Oh, it's two words, Vanden and Boom. Yeah. Like hyphen? But, yeah, hyphen no, there's guy? no hyphen. It's just Vanden Boom. Uh, just Vanden Boom. Wow. Where's his first name? But, yeah, I was. I think Boom it's Danny, Danny or Donnie. It's it's one of those two, but, yeah. Hey, Donnie Vanden Boom. How you doing? <laughs> How you doing, Donnie? Benny Boom, bye. So they got to um, play Nebraska this week, so. Well, that might actually work in their favor. I don't think I don't know how good Nebraska is. Although did you give somebody a run the other day? It was Ohio State, I think, for about a quarter. And they they I actually watched. they they were in that game for about a half, and then it was over. Were they? Yeah, I watched that at the uh, at the airport. Rumpfish Grill. Um, speaking of food, folks, make sure you go f- visit our uh, good people over there at Mister Empanadas. I'm telling you, you're gonna love this place. If you don't know what an empanada is, well, try one because they take your favorite foods, they put them inside a pocket of this unbelievable homemade dough and they, they cook it till it's like brown and just really hot. It's just, it's, it's delicious. And they got other menu items too. You can try, uh, they make their soups from scratch. They got salads, they got Cuban sandwiches. They're out of this world. So go online and, uh, hit them up at Mr. com, or you can call any of their seven. That's right. There's seven convenient locations in Tampa Bay. We're Latin food quality and service meet. Mr. Empanada, game six tonight. Blake Snell on the mound. We'll talk all about it tomorrow. 
For Steve Burstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 